Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. Many of you have been asking for more informal conversations, like the one that I recorded with Kelly Starrett and Dr. Justin Major over many, many bottles of wine, which you can listen to at your leisure, versus the more formal, I suppose, interviews that I've done with people like co-founder and president of Pixar, Ed Catmull. And you've asked for it, and therefore, here it is. This is a high-def audio recording of The Random Show. And The Random Show is effectively a catch-up between two friends. And I am half of that conversation, and Kevin Rose, a dear buddy, is the other. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's built many different companies and products. He is a venture capitalist at Google Ventures. He's one of the best product guys in Silicon Valley and a very, very astute investor. But when we hang out and we do the random show, which is in video, so you'll hear some references to visual things. And whenever you hear babe, by the way, that's in reference to Kevin's wife, who is off camera, Daria, you will hear some references to links and show notes and so on. All of those notes and links can be found at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast, all spelled out fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. And to support the show, as always, just go to the Tim Ferriss Book Club, and you can find books that have had a tremendous impact on my life. There are four or five of them up right now at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash books. And without further ado, I would like to introduce you, if you've never heard it before, to The Random Show. I hope you enjoy it, and thank you for listening. Optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now would have seen an appropriate time. What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. Hello, friends. Welcome to The Random Show. I'm Kevin Rose. I'm Tim Ferriss. And this is episode number... Graham? We don't know. But uh, you know because it says it at the top of the YouTube player. Mm, indeed. Welcome. It's been a while. It has it's been what two to three months, probably. It's been at least at three least months, maybe four months. Like that. Lots yeah. happened in those months. A lot has happened. My drinking experiment, which we'll get to in a little bit. Don't yeah. want to jump right into that one. Yeah, we can hold there's, off on there's that. A good debate there. Um, but I have a list of stuff to go over today. Do you have? You want to start first today? You got, you got a good uh, list. Sure. We can start with. Perhaps a caveat. So it turns out, I found out just a few days ago that uh, I'm about 99% sure that I have Lyme disease for the first time. So I grew up on Long Island. I go back every summer. And uh, deer ticks carry the spirochetes or bacteria that cause the symptoms of Lyme disease, which is really intense. I had dodged the bullet up to this point. Everyone in my family has had it, as far as I know. And I started getting extremely swollen joints to the point where it was painful to walk you one just morning. woke up one morning? Woke up one morning, knees were had, extremely swollen. Had you discovered any ticks at that point or no? Oh, I'd, already, I'd pulled off four or five ticks. Okay. But every time I go home in the summer, that's the case. Yeah. And I usually, or I shouldn't say usually, but a lot of people develop bullseye circles. So expanding concentric circles around the bite. And then they go get it checked out because that's a symptom. I didn't have any of those rashes. And I found out later that in a percentage of the people who get bitten and contract Lyme, they don't show that. Mm -hmm. If you pull the tick off within the first, say, about, I think it's 16 to 24 hours of attaching to you, uh, then you can typically prevent Lyme. But Hmm. my my joints got so swollen, my elbows, my knees, so painful, my memory started being being affected, like formulating sentences and whatnot. So I might sound a little punch drunk in this episode, if you're wondering why. Lyme disease. So I'm on doxycycline and exploring a couple of other treatments for addressing it. But yeah, it's gnarly stuff, man. You got to catch it earlier. You can, you can basically develop 
all the appearances of, say, cerebral palsy, things like that. That's crazy. But if yeah. you catch it early, I mean, you'll be fine. And should be fine. Depends on who you ask. There, there's also. I've heard sometimes that flare-ups happen later in the future and things like that. That's what some people. There, there are a lot of diverging opinions about Lyme disease, and uh, so some people talk about chronic Lyme disease. Some people think it exists. Other people think it doesn't exist. Hmm. There's a lot of debate. So if any of you out there are experts in Lyme disease. If you have recommendations or thoughts, please let me know in the comments because I will certainly be on meds by the time you see this. Crazy. Well, I hope you're going to be okay. I mean, it's uh, it, that's scary stuff. It's it is scary. I mean, it, in it, and I always thought it was a very minor thing because Eastern Long Island, is, as far as I know, has the highest density of deer ticks on the face of the planet, and uh, you can't really go walking outside in grass that's more than a few inches long without getting ticks on you. Then I started looking at the symptoms and the uh, the effects of Lyme disease if you don't catch it, mm-hmm. and it's it's really bad. Yeah, yeah, it can be a really debilitating disease. So I'm glad that I'm on doxycycline. And now, you, so you take these antibiotics. I hate taking antibiotics, and I'll, I'll make a statement that might surprise some of you. I would rather take the scary anabolic steroids like testosterone or something like that than uh, very strong antibiotics. Because I feel like it's it's they're kind of yin and they're well, like, well, they're very bit. different. But the, my 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 point being that people look at say misunderstood and over sensationalized drugs like anabolics, say, which are kind of exaggerated to the point of like these these reefer madness, the, like, uh, like back in the sixties, yeah, with marijuana, yeah, exactly, and stuff like fifties like and sixties, where like if you smoke a joint, you're gonna run through your house and hack off all of your your relatives' heads, right? Uh, well, that was that was that movie you made me watch. Uh, bigger, faster, stronger, yeah. harder, whatever it's called. <laughs> bigger, faster, stronger. The, 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 yeah, the other ones uh, you can buy at <laughs> the Castro <laughs> down the street. Uh, but uh, it was about the, all the myths yeah, about anabolic drugs. Yeah. Uh, fantastic documentary. You guys should all check out. But antibiotics are prescribed in a very nonchalant way, and you get them all the time, and, no matter what you have. And you just the importance of the microbiome and your your gut flora is so understated, I really try to avoid antibiotics. So I'll be sort of seeding my gut. And by the way, the answer is not necessarily probiotics. This is, this is something not many people know. But I'll be doing a bunch more on this. So if you want to post about that, let me know. It takes a lot of time. But if you're interested about how to properly seed your gut for optimal health, I'm doing a bunch of research on that. Speaking about seeding your gut for optimal health, this is actually a good segue. <laughs> okay. This is a really random way to start the show, but I guess it works. There is like this gut project. Have you heard of the gut project? Is it called the gut project? It's something like that. It's gut project, gut. You know what I'm talking about, babe? I ordered it in the mail. So basically they send you like, my doctor told me about it because yeah. like I've had like mild to medium upset stomachs for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, you've had, you've had stomach you know, issues forever. When we're yeah. traveling in China, I'm chilling yeah. Pepto-Bismol nonstop and like depends on what I'm eating. I've linked some of it to sadly beer consumption and I think it might be tied to gluten in some yeah. way. But anyway, my doctor turned me on to this project that it's like this completely nonprofit, and they give you all these little test tubes with like little tiny like uh, Q-tips in it, hmm. and you send in like it's pretty disgusting, like little samples of your shit, yeah. And then they will do the full-on breakdown of all the bacteria. So is it is it just fecal samples, or you're like swiping your armpit and your you mouth? You can do you can do anything, armpit, mouth, wherever you want, and they will send you like the full. But they compare it to people yeah. that ha- are healthy, people that have like IBS, people that yeah. have like all different types of stuff, and they give you the like full-on breakdown. You log in, and it gives you all these stats about your bacteria versus other people's. Uh, are you sure bacteria. it's nonprofit? 
It might be for profit. I don't know. Is it called Ubiome? No. Uh, there's a company called Ubiome also doing something very similar. I actually have a bunch of kits at home. Anyway, I'll put a link. Yeah. I'll get a link in the comments. But yeah. you should check it out. It was, it's not expensive either. It's like you know, three hundred bucks. No, I have a bunch of kits at home from I guess a okay. competitor called Ubiome. Okay, cool. Just based out here. But the whole point being, you are effectively. We don't have to go too deep into this, but you are a collection of bacteria. I mean, there are more bacterial cells in your body than human cells. Kind of hard to believe, right? And people have attempted to eradicate bacteria, viewing them as germs and causes of disease for ages, and approaching it in such a, in a broad fashion is hugely deleterious to your health. Mm-hmm. And in fact, for those people out there, I don't remember the name of the article, you would like this too, Daria. There was an article in, I think it was the New York Times Magazine, about people who had not showered in weeks or even mm-hmm. years, and instead of using soap or I think it's laurel sulfate, other very strong detergents, they take ammonia-eating bacteria and spray it onto their skin as a way of sort of cleaning themselves hmm. and maintaining optimal bacterial health on the skin, which is your largest organ. So not just in the GI tract, but on the skin. Really good article hmm. uh, that I'm that I'm in the process of rereading because I'm going to be doing a lot with the microbiome, and we'll we'll link to that in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, I want to well. check that out. Yeah, it's it's really really and also a very well written piece. It's pretty hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, it's super, super fascinating stuff. And by the way, like there are companies out there, uh, big cos- cosmetics companies that are patenting applications of, say, lactobacillus, uh, which you find very commonly in probiotic supplements for topical applications. doesn't really work. I mean, as far as I know, that's for ingestion and uh, application in the GI tract. So the uh, where you apply a probiotic or a prebiotic or anything like this makes a big, big difference. Mm. So don't believe the hype. Anyway, so on that. Well, one more quick point. Um, speaking about my stupid stomach issues, um, I've been reading a book called Grain Brain. Mm-hmm. Have you read it yet, or have you heard about I it? I haven't. I'm guessing there's Grain Brain, there's Wheat Belly. Yeah, they're all in the same vein. <laughs> I, I'd imagine they're pretty similar. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what got me to, like, I, actually, I didn't tell you this yet, but it's been about two weeks now I've been gluten-free. You just sent me a photograph today of your dog with a beer can balanced on its head. That wasn't my dog. Oh, it was, Jap- it was the toaster it was doppelganger. The toaster doppelganger. Uh, yeah. It was a Japanese dog I found on my Instagram. Uh, okay. Uh, right. But I actually just got some gluten-free beer, some IPA. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to do it after this wine. But anyway, what's interesting is that I think that I had some gluten like a couple days ago. Yeah. And I woke up the next morning being like mentally foggy a little bit. And yeah. it describes some of that that's happening here. Yeah. Anyway, it was just one particular. I'm going to go and try to do it for at least like 60 days. They say yeah. until you really feel it is like a couple months. So right. we'll see what happens. We're going to come back to this in a second. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, there is an article written on on my blog. I'll link to it by Rob Wolf, which I headlined how to keep feces out of your bloodstream. But it relates to grain consumption, leaky gut syndrome, and a host of other associated issues or factors. Cool. It's, it's a very interesting read. If, you, if you're like, you know, gluten-free, gluten this, what the fuck is gluten actually? And nine, nine out of ten people who are gluten-free can't answer that. Check out the blog post. So you're going to go gluten-free for, for 60 days. Yeah. It's, it's not that hard. It really isn't. So now, speaking of things that are hard, I hate to bring this up so early. Curious to see what kind of debate you think this is going to become. So you committed, last time we spoke, to go 30 days without alcohol. That's right. And uh, you failed to complete that 30 days. And uh, the wager was $1,000 to one's charity of choice. Now, we spoke on the phone before I actually turned through in the towel. You remember that conversation? I remember texting, and I still have the text thread. <laughs> 
Are <laughs> <laughs> you gonna try to pull some, Kevin? No, I'm not. Dude, you're, you're channeling your spirit animal. You remember what you said your spirit animal was? The little worm. The weasel. <laughs> no, <laughs> you said. I think that. you were drunk when you brought you it up. You said that. You said Case that. <laughs> Listen, here's the deal. I went through some really tough times. It had been three weeks of no drinking. Now, I'm not saying I didn't break the rules. I did. I had a glass of wine and it was wonderful. But a couple glasses of wine. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is that I went through some tough times. We got protested in Portland. We got protested, if people that don't know. That's we got, because you're raising historic no, I'm landmarks. <laughs> so here's, okay, I'm gonna take 30 seconds and explain this to the people that are watching this. Basically what happened is my wife and I, we went up to Portland, Oregon, we fell in love with the town. It's a great city. It is love a the city. food scene. Love the, the, the kind of like, they have awesome cocktails out there. They've got a, hiking trails. They've got fishing. They've got everything that like I would like to eventually one day have a place as a little retreat. Notice the second thing you mentioned is excellent cocktails. Continue. So we went up there. We found a place, and we found a place that we thought we were going to remodel. It was an older place, older meaning over 100 years old. And... Ultimately, it turned out that the cost to remodel it was more or less on par with building something from scratch. Yeah. So we proceeded to move forward and have the house taken down and yeah. build something new. We went through that process. The neighbors found out about it. They freaked out. They had had the, the Easter egg hunt in the, the yard of the house for the last 20 years. It was a very beloved house to the neighborhood. But it was not historically significant. We took several contractors through, walked yeah. through. And the thing about historical homes is you have to be able to point to something in the house. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the crown molding, or oh, this banister is like historic in some way. The only thing they ever came up with, nothing with the house, except for we found out the house had asbestos. The only thing that they came up with was that there was a prominent attorney, Portland attorney, that had lived there at one point, okay. many, many years ago. I don't, this guy's not, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. He was big in Portland at some point, an okay. attorney. We wanted to move forward and take the house down because it's old and the neighborhood loved it, but it wasn't historic. You had a tough couple of weeks. I got they protested us. They put banners out there. There were people crying in the streets. It got like, like Wait, what? There's like old people crying in the streets, like neighbors and stuff. At Why the are end you of the so day, mean to old people? At the end of the day, I'm not an asshole. My wife's not an asshole. We sat there and we said, you know, we threw our hands up and we said, you know what? It's time to abandon ship. And we sold the house back to one of the neighbors. Yeah. And we went on and, and now, you know, well, eventually at some point we'd like to find another place. But I yeah. don't know when. But anyway, that was the story around that. So all this shit is going down. Like there's a freaking like change.org protest. I'm getting emails from it. And like people are calling the reporters. And like I'm like not drinking during this time. And I'm calling Tim up, and I'm like, Tim, please, like, let, just one drink. It's been a long day. And you're like, no, deal's a deal, fucker, like, in the text. <laughs> I think that's fair. And I'm just like, <laughs> and you're like, you can break it. We can talk about it on the show. And so my ask. <laughs> that's what we're doing right now. Is that you pro, give me pro rata for the time served <laughs> of that month, and let me pay the remainder yeah. to you. I'll give you a 10X or nothing if you go the next 30 days without booze. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Now, where do you, what, what charity do you want it to go to? I'm not giving it to you. I'm donating it to a charity. Why would I ask you to give it to me? I'll give you, I'll give it to no, you. I don't want you to give it to me because then I'm going to have to like, pay taxes on it I'm and then give it to the charity anyway. I'm saying we should give it to charity. If you uh, want to give it to I charity. I think you should give it to... Don't say the Portland Historic Society. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Rose, no, 
ladies no, and gentlemen. He said that to me. He said that on the phone. You're I like, didn't I'm say gonna... it on the phone. You keep on bringing up over text or text or something. That Portland Historic Preservation Society. You said you were going to do something like that. Email or text or something. I think that's the proper thing to do. But in this case, just to prevent you from binge drinking for the next 30 days, since I know that's how you respond to stress, so we don't want that to happen. Donorschoose.org. One thousand G's to donorschoose.org. Who Pro- should, whose name should I put it in? <laughs> you don't make it out to an individual. It's made out. You to can't say like in memory of. In memory of, in memory of my lovely Portland house. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you could put in the memo. Uh, so. Uh, Donors choose is right. just just real quick. First uh, pro tip. So for, for those of you who have any stock that is appreciated, if you're going to make charitable donations, in some cases, and I'm no tax attorney, but it makes sense to donate. I didn't realize this until very recently. Appreciated stock. Why? Because if you take a thousand dollars that you've earned, you're going to have to pay income tax on that money, and then you give say that thousand dollars to charity. Well, it cost you. Then thirty uh, percent, yes, thirty percent, yeah. all that. Now, on the other hand, if you have stock that's appreciated and you have a thousand dollars worth of that, you give the stock instead of cash to the nonprofit, and they can take, the and gains, they take the yeah. full thousand dollars value, and you can a, write off that full amount as opposed to the seven hundred that you would give them otherwise if you sold the stock and gave it. That's interesting. So if you're sitting on there on some Tesla stock or some crazy whatever. stock, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. And if, you're like, if hey, you're going, I'm gonna make my annual thousand dollar. Gift to this company, then exactly. boom. Yeah, oh, look sweet. And you can go on almost. And they'll take it. They'll and, and the embarrassing thing for me, I'm kind of flabbergasted. It took me so long to figure this out, but I would go to donation pages on donorschoose.org or Charity Water or any of these places, and they would have it very clearly indicated if you want to donate stock, click here. And I always thought to myself, why would I ever want to donate stock? Right. I never understood the rationale, and that's it. You get like 30% more uh, to the charity as opposed to. Paying it in tax dollars, so hmm. makes a lot of sense. Cool. Anyway, yeah, donorschoose.org. Check it out. I've been an advisor for a long time. They're they're uh, endorsed by people like Michelle Obama, Stephen Colbert, Oprah. It's a long list. Uh, so yeah, donors choose a lot. It basically provides funding. It allows you to fund projects in uh, public schools in very high need areas. So if they need say a new blackboard, or they've never been able to take the kids on a field trip to the aquarium, and some of the kids want to be marine biologists, whatever it is you can then allocate funds specifically to classrooms of your choice. And you can search by zip code. So I've donated money to, say, STEM, like science, technology, engineering, math, projects in places that I've gone to school, places or like areas that I've gone to school, where I grew up. And uh, you get, I think you still get handwritten letters from the kids, like thank you letters. It's amazing. It's the first nonprofit to be on the cover of Fast Company for their 50 most creative companies in the world issue. Hmm. So, awesome. It's, it's awesome. Check it out. Sweet. So now, speaking of challenges, so I'm about 10 days into my, uh, my latest challenge. This is ridiculous. Cha- now, it seems ridiculous, but I want to provide some uh, context for the seemingly absurd. So the challenge is called Nob Nom, and it's, uh, it's called that very deliberately. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wouldn't it be if it was just a random name you came up with? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought long and hard so about you this post, name. So let's back up. You did a blog post about this, and uh-huh. you challenged your readers. Yep. And what was the challenge? You so the cha- so what I said, and I've said, I said this thing in the last episode, is that going 30 days without alcohol and masturbating, and porn is a close cousin, so no ixnay on the porn as well, had a dramatic impact on everything from blood values, like free testosterone, to sleep quality, on and on and on. There's a what laundry list. What the testosterone if you can't use it? Well, 
I didn't say sex wasn't allowed. I said that masturbating wasn't allowed. See, that's stupid. It's not stupid though. Here's, it's here's, the same thing. It's, it's not just your the hand. same. No, you're you're married, so you've no offense. You've got kind of sex on demand, I assume. Now, as as for single guys with broadband, they've got porn on demand, and it turns into a compulsive Why behavior. Why screw them over? They're like a, having a hard time. It's not a judgment call. What it, what it is is I'm thinking of compulsive behaviors that over time can be very detrimental. And I think ex- like excessive porn viewing. Check out your your, you your brain to, on porn. Check it out. Okay, why not just say this? Why not just say no porn, masturbate all you want? Because I think you need like you have you have like cash, just like a, like a web browser of all these ridiculous porn scenes in your head, and I think you need like a good two to four weeks to clear that stuff out. So that you're like actually attracted to normal women and not like crazy cyborg, like <laughs> silicone craziness. So I think. what if I go? What if one went and like normal? Hired, by the way, is hired, not a, hired a masseuse that gave lotion snap. <laughs> fine, you can have that. That's fine. You can have the dragon roll. I mean, legality aside, if you want to have the. So why is that fine? The, the rub and tug. Then it's like, fine. It's still like. Porn in a way. It's there's more involved in doing that. Like that's an edge case. I don't think a lot of people are going to do it. But look, if what I'm trying to provide people with, and so just to give you guys an idea, so it's 30 days without no booze, 30 days no masturbating. It's not the same. It's not the same. I think sex is a healthy behavior. I don't think excessive masturbating is a healthy behavior. So do people really excessively masturbate? I think you kind of just masturbate and you're kind of done. Like you don't really like you're not hitting it three times a day. Oh, I think some people are. Really? Absolutely. Is that your No, go-to? I don't have I'm too lazy to do that. But we talk about porn. We talked about porn a lot in the last episode. I so know. if you want more porn, including some of my recommendations, check out the last episode. That was uh, weird that you put your recommendations in the blog post. Oh, people loved it. That's no. just sad. Because no, you you check your this out. favorite porn. So, so I mean it's kind of weird, like uh, he was watching it now. Yeah, I'm watching that's it. The, I, but, I uh, it's a little it creepy. But here's the thing. So one of one of the people who's following I typed it in and I pulled it up and I was like, <laughs> Did you I'm watching Tim's porn? This did, is like did you, <laughs> did you see? <laughs> so somebody put a Google Trends. Screenshot. All right, I'll just tell you. It's Momoko and Angelica oh, with a J. Boy, and and the Google it. trend that's like, it's just like when you hit play. Think if about that was Kim a startup. If that like, was a, if that was a startup growth chart, they'd be they'd be like fifty million. <laughs> yeah. They're making Where like the version. Fuck, two where are we going with this? Okay, so the challenge was to help people overcome obsessive behaviors and improve the quality of their lives and also their ability to to develop new habits by creating a, a community on Lyft, which is a behavioral change app. And I was actually introduced to that by Ev Williams, co-founder of Twitter, who uh, incubated, effectively, this company. And if you go on Lyft, so lyft.do. I use it all the time. Almost 5,000 people are live doing this Nob Nom challenge. Oh, boy. Women also. That's a sad thread. Uh, it's not a sad thread. It's fucking fascinating. Are they flirting with each other and shit? There's a little bit, but, I mean, I think probably half the people with female avatars are, like, sweaty palms. Fat guys. With, <laughs> so, whatever. You know, when you're on the internet, nobody knows. But I think there are also quite a, there are quite a few women on there. But, you know, this is, I mean, you never know. masturbating is, I think, more of a, a guy dilemma in a lot of ways. The point being, uh, about, about 5,000 people, and there are already these really fascinating patterns emerging. So, very, very common in multiple different threads. Extremely vivid dreams. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> There's no release, um, dude. You're driving, you're dreaming it. There's a, <laughs> nothing impresses Kevin Ross. There are there's a whole long list. Anyway, you can check it out. Um, but 
I highly recommend, even if you're not going to use Lyft for Nob Nob, check it out. <laughs> and uh, there are all sorts of things. Flossing, it's the, only, it's the only thing that got me to floss regularly, and it's very, very simple. So, so that's that. But the challenge is ongoing. If you want to join me, that's why I'm having tea instead of wine. But uh, how's it going for you? You know, it's, it's going well. I would say that yeah, I had a pretty tough day today. I'm dressed up because I went to a memorial service for uh, a close friend, Seth Roberts. You will be sorely missed. And really one of the grandfathers of self-experimentation and, qu- and certainly quantified self-movement of the last, let's say, 20 years. But uh, so, you know, I, people started drinking at about 1 p.m. today. And yeah. you know, I really wanted to drink. I was like, God, you know, like what, what I wouldn't give for just like a nice glass of wine. And I think that's when the challenge is most important. It's like if, if I'm defaulting to alcohol to treat my stress, that's a pattern that I want to be able to interrupt. So I think that it's only in those moments that the challenge is a challenge. Yeah, that's I the, mean, that's the whole point. I, of I went, when I went those three weeks, like there was certainly a lot of times where I was like, wow, it's been a long day. And I'm like, gosh, I'd love a, just a beer or something, a glass of something. You know, I just and noticed, especially around here with, with social outings and whatnot, I remember I just one day I was like, God, I feel kind of slow and my head hurts a little. And I looked back at my calendar and I was like, wow. I'm not drinking by myself, but I've been out to dinners Dude, or meetings life. five nights a week mm-hmm. for like two months. And at every single outing, I'm having two, three, four glasses of something. This is me. I had a, a work meeting last night on a Saturday, and I went out without Daria, and I went out and had a couple glasses of wine, and they were heavy pours. Yeah. And then we met up for dinner, and it was at a sushi place, and it was like sake, had some of that. And then I just get home, and I'm like, I'm not hammered, but enough to where the next morning I woke up, I'm just like, God. That's not 100%. Yeah. So I would just say this, guys. This isn't a puritanical thing. It's not to make you so can people Amish or Mennonites. I love drinking and also pretty fond of jerking off. So this is a 30-day experiment. And so I would just say for... Can they join in now, by the way? Yeah, is it too yeah, late? Yeah, join in now. No, it's not too late. And I expect this thing will survive for much longer than 30 days. So What do you give people a... Uh, what's the reward? Uh, I think it's... Uh, some kind of like gift? No, there, there is... If you join right now, it's just going to be to join the community, which is very strong and extremely interesting on Lyft, for people who started at the beginning, which was August 1st, then we're offering, I think it's 1,500 or 2,000 bucks to the three most helpful people who complete the challenge. So they have to complete the 30 days, and then they have to help other people hmm. in the community do the same That's thing. That's cool. Yeah. The community support thing is huge. Oh, you need that. It's I could have used that when I was going through my 30 days. If I, someone was like, she started drinking after two weeks, she made it two weeks, and like, Props, because she didn't have to do that at all. Yeah. And then after she caved and she's like having a little wine or something, or she go out with her girlfriends, come back a little saucy. I'm like, mm, I kind of want to drink right now. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on. Move on. Um, so congratulations, good luck to you, sir. <laughs> Thanks. Blue balls. All right. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, meditation. Yeah. So meditation is something that I have always wanted to get into, and if you've been a follower of my blog or have seen when I did have a blog back in the day you know that every single year for my like to-do list for the next year was to learn how to meditate or to get better at meditating. Headspace, the app. I think we've mentioned it on here before. We mentioned Headspace on here before? I don't think so. Okay, so there's an app called Headspace that is a guided meditation app that essentially, you've used Headspace or no? I haven't. I'm smirking because I feel a moral obligation uh, to mention Calm as well as a competitor. Did you invest in Calm? I didn't invest in Calm, but a bunch of my close I know, friends have. I know, I know the founder of Calm. Yeah, the founder, who's well. a smart guy. So, so there's, but Headspace, well, is the, I mean, Headspace, is the, Headspace is the leader. So I haven't invested in either one of these companies, but yeah. I will say that the, those are the two leaders, right? Yeah. There's a, Headspace is like number one. They have a yeah. big, huge community. They've yeah. been around for a lot longer. Yeah. Calm also has a great app. They're both awesome. So yeah. 
Headspace is the one I kind of like uh, started getting into because Lemire, who oh, we all know, he yeah. he's a big meditator and he told me that he got hooked on Headspace. So they have this thing called the Take 10, which is 10 days of 10 minutes of meditation per day. Yeah. And it's completely guided. It was really easy to do because 10 minutes isn't a big commitment. Yeah. I just sat down in my office and I shut the door and I put my headphones on and I hit play and I went through 10 minutes and I did that for 10 days. And I started doing more and more and more. And I got, they, they graduate you to take 15, which is 15 yeah. minutes, then take 20. I did all of those for 20 days. And so flash forward, like you don't even know this, but I've done 92 sessions and 25 hours of meditation so far. That's great. Which is awesome. And I will say that it is certainly helping me in yeah. some really interesting ways. Like, there are moments in the day now where normally I would get stressed out or a little agitated and I can finally like use some of those principles and just kind of step back for a second and realize that the anger doesn't exist out here. It's all in here. Yeah. And I can just like kind of just come to terms with that and yeah. like let it go a little bit and sit yeah. with it a little bit and let it go, which is really interesting. The other thing is when I, I'm now up to like 20 minutes a day of meditation mm -hmm. and this only happens every once in a while, like every like third one or something. But like, I'll get this moment where I forget that I'm meditating, but I'm still doing the practice and I'm following my breath yeah. in and out. And I have this perfect presence where my mind just does not think about anything. I'm not yeah. really thinking about anything at all. My mind's just completely free. It's the coolest internal feeling that you can feel without taking some type of substance right. that I have ever come across. Yeah. And it only, mine only, only lasted, I've only gotten these little windows of like 20 to 30 seconds and then my mind comes back online. Yeah. But I can see for the first time, and it's been 92 sessions to get yeah. here, I can see for the first time a little glimpse of like, whoa, that's what the pro meditators get like hours of. Yeah. And that's cool, you know? Yeah. It's pretty awesome. So it, it's a big deal. I, I'm a huge proponent of of meditation, and I wish there were a different label for it. Quite frankly, because I think there's a lot of negative association or connotation with meditation. There's just too much historical use as it relates to hippies or religion. particular methodology. That's the beautiful thing yeah. about this well, headspace. It's not tied to any religion. You, you at can all. find a there are secular ways, if that's important to you, to practice this, and you could view it as mindfulness practice or even just observational practice. And what I mean by that is I've been meditating for, I don't know, a year and a half or two consistently. How often? Uh, today was twice a day. Most days it's just once in the morning. How many minutes? I usually do it for 15 to 20. Awesome, dude. That's great. Yeah, you, but, must, you must have seen some of the very similar results. Yeah, I've exactly seen. the same. And uh, the what you become is, imagine if you're, you are watching a movie of your thoughts projected onto a wall. And when you first start meditating, at some point you're like, my God, is that really my brain like all the time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's dude. like a caged monkey on meth, just like bouncing off the walls. <laughs> it's insane. It's like it's totally nuts. You remember I sent, I sent this, I sent this, this uh, animated gift to, uh, to Daria of this like, cat trying to fight an iguana? You remember this spastic like, kitten? And I was He's like, this the is the weirdest guy to text with. You send animated <laughs> gifts all the time. And I was like, this is my, this is how I feel when I meditate. And uh, the, uh, but what you you start to observe, you start to be able to observe those thoughts mm -hmm. and not just feel the thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then when you get angry, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, Kevin is getting angry. Right. That's not me. Just such a reason. Yeah. And that separation of yeah, the cool. actor and the observer is really fascinating. It's really cool. Because uh, you can realize that that's really not you. Yeah. 
that's just like this emotional little yeah. things firing that like like hormones and all other kinds of shit like yeah. causing this outburst. Yeah. That's really not your core. That's not who you yeah. are. <laughs> there's also there's some great guided meditations uh, on the website of Sam Harris, uh, samharris.org. Um, I also did two podcasts with Sam. Sam's a PhD in neuroscience. Is uh, oh, that's very the guy that Adam's meditator. getting work with him, right? Oh, I hope oh, so. Not. Okay. Uh, yeah, Sam is is, is brilliant. So, so Sam and I did two podcasts. One is called Drugs and the Meaning of Life, which is an essay read by Sam. I highly recommend it. And uh, the other was a larger exploration and discussion of meditation, uh, imaging in neuroscience, religion, all sorts of things. Uh, I, I love these. SamHarris.org has a bunch of guided meditations as well. I love that we do these things. Honestly, I have notes here of like things that I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> it's like yeah, you yeah. both always pick up a little tidbit. No, it's great. I, uh, um, any good books you've read recently? I mean, other than Grain Brain, and then I'm starting to get into um, Antifragile, which I... Antifragile is a great book. I, uh, I'm biased because I know Nassim pretty well, spent a decent amount of time with him, and I fell in love with The Black Swan. I thought that was a spectacular book. Uh, Fooled by Randomness, also very good. And I was Fooled by Randomness, I just like, oh man, I listened to it, yeah. and I, I got it. The problem I have with his books is like, I, I listen to them, and in the first yeah. 10 minutes, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm like, not the first 10 minutes, but the first hour of the audiobook. Yeah. I'm sold. Yeah. And I'm like, great, I'm sold. Yeah. And then he just keeps going on and on and on. And I'm like, where, where does this well, where, what, end? Well, where I find, I'll just I'll play devil's advocate. Because I, I definitely know that type of book. But I didn't get that feeling from, from Black Swan nor Antifragile. Antifragile is a bigger book. I'm talking so, about Fool by Randomness. Yeah. That's the, that's okay, all right. right. So, yeah. So, maybe that's the case. But Black Swan was introduced to me by Matt Mullenweg. So, mm-hmm. the lead developer of WordPress. Now, I guess, CEO of Automatic. And... Uh, Really, really had a huge impact. Antifragile is a big book, and mm-hmm. the gems are spread throughout. So you have to kind of pick and choose, absorb what is useful. But I thought the concept of, say, fragile, robust, and then antifragile being the real opposite of uh, fragile is being very, very interesting. So you mm-hmm. have, say, you know, uh, fragile people who care about the minority who dislike their work, like politicians, right? And then you have, say, Anti-fragile, who would be artists who care more about the minority who like their work, right? So it's sort of how you can you can actually become stronger in the face of chaos or adversity, not just be resilient, but but benefit from it and grow stronger. It's it, that's a fascinating book. I have that one at home, marked up really significantly. The um, I read a book that was recommended to me by uh, James Altucher called Jesus's Son, and this book, Jesus's Son. Is not religious. It is a collection of short stories. I'm blanking on the author's name, but it is some of the most beautiful prose I've ever read. It's fiction. Does it have anything to do with Jesus? No. How do you know it's not Jesus' son? Maybe it's Jesus' son. Could, could, be. could be. Good point. <laughs> but the, the stories are so brutal. I mean, they're just, they're, they're really, really brutal stories. But the prose is so beautiful that it makes it absorbable. And, uh, it, it was recommended to me by a number of people I, I really respect as readers and writers, and I just flew through this book. I didn't expect it. Hmm. Uh, but that, that's one. If you're looking for something to read that is fiction that you can probably digest in a day or two, that's a great read as well. Sweet. So let's hop on to some other stuff, yeah? Yeah, yeah. All right, so I want to show you an app called Sup. Okay. It's a new app that's, uh, you know, I don't have any affiliation with this app. I just saw it for the first time yesterday. I just want to show it to you because I think it's pretty funny that um, it's just a random random app. So I just sent uh, a request to Daria um, for a SUP, and she's going to receive it here in a second. 
Um, I like apps that are just pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. So look, it says connecting to Daria right now, and we can shoot B-roll of this afterwards, yeah? We'll, we'll shoot some stuff. And then what happens is you get a live connection with your friend. Okay. Watch this. It's about to begin. And then now she's shooting us live. Yeah. And then I can tell her which way to turn the camera. Oh, that's cool. And then I'm extending the time by hitting the little heart here. I'm like, turn it this way, turn it this way, turn it this way. And actually, you know what? I want to see <laughs> I want to see what's up on the up on the ceiling there. And then she'll like note it. And it says on her screen, like turn. Isn't that awesome? I was like, uh, turn over here. My buddy Danny was at a concert the other day, and so he was like, I I can say, like, give me a selfie. I hit hit that button, and then she can, like, do a little selfie here. Isn't that pretty sweet? That's cool. I like that. So this is just a fun little thing that, uh, there she is. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Uh, That's great. That's cool. I like that. So it's just like, you know, we don't talk about, well, I guess we do talk about apps every once in a while. Sup is just like a fun way that if you have a friend out doing something cool, my buddy Danny was at Outside Lands the other day and he was watching a concert and I knew he had backstage passes and so I was I hit him up and then like he was live streaming it to me and I could just get a little window into his life. Yeah. And so it's it just um there's no audio associated with yeah. it, so you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah. Um That's fun. I, I like it when I, I meet an entrepreneur or I see a startup that is not I mean, in in my line of work and on the investing side you just see a lot of the same old stuff. Yeah, or a slight little variation or something different. You see a lot of crap. You see a lot of crap. I mean, you're in the same world. Yeah. Dude. And so this was like, it was it was new and unique and fun. And I just yeah. thought like, I don't know that this is going to be a big business. I don't know that it's really going to take off. But you know what? Hats off to them for trying something different. You know, and it's, yeah. it's kind of a fun little thing. So just want to give them a plug. Cool. Yeah. Do you think we're in a tech bubble? I want you to chime in on this. There's certainly more capital available now for startups in the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley area, than I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it's easier to get funded than ever before. You know, what do you consider to be a bubble? Like, I mean... What would you consider a bubble? So, what I think is that every time another tech company IPOs, whether it's a Twitter or GoPro or you name it, you have to imagine that these companies are, you know, 500 to 1,000 people or more. And you instantly create, you know, several hundred millionaires or a hundred millionaires or whatever it may be. And those are like an angel gets their wings. They instantly become like angel investors, right? Like a lot of people in tech are like, hey, I get tech. I worked at an awesome startup. I made some money. Now I want to go invest in other things. There are thousands of new angel investors in the last two years. You jump back to 2006 when I first started really seriously angel investing. And there was just, you know, not a handful of us, but... A hundred of us, yeah. you know, and now there's like thousands. Yeah, yeah. So those people have to go through the process of losing their money. Yeah. Not completely, but like, you know, they'll play some bad bets or some people realize that like, you know, investing is not just, it's not for them. They're not good at picking companies or whatever it may be. And then those investors will fade away and say, screw it. I'm sticking with my S&P 500 and my wealth yeah. front and I'm, I'm happy, you know. Yeah. At the same time, new companies are IPOing and new investors are being born. And so there's this like reinforcing bubble that's continuing on, but it's not hurting anyone. It's not like back in 2000 when companies would IPO and you have, you know, my mom and dad putting their life savings into a tech company and they lose all their money, right? That's not happening. So it really doesn't, who cares if there's a bubble? Like it doesn't, it's not hurting the average consumer. So, you know, it's some wealthy tech people losing their money. The stats right now are about two out of every 10 companies actually make it. And so my 
advice for would-be new angel investors, because I, I see a lot of people that have made some money and they, they're like, hey, how do I get started in this world, is that don't just invest in one or two companies, but if you're really going to be serious about this, go in and do those 10 to 15 to 20 companies so that you have an entire portfolio so you're spreading your risk out across several companies rather than just concentrating on just two or three. Yep. So I think that certainly valuations are higher than I've seen them in a long time, and there's more investors than I've seen in a long time. So you, you could consider that a bubble, but one that when it bursts, no one really gets hurt. Depends on if it's constrained to the private markets. That's right? true. And yeah. the Jobs Act is changing some of that stuff, so that yeah. could bleed into like the average investor, but I don't I'm know. Curious. What sort of personal improvement projects are you working on these days besides the meditation? Uh, I've been doing Lumosity a lot, which I actually yeah. like. I think it's making me a little bit sharper. Yeah. You know, as you get into your later thirties, like I am now, like certain things, like I'm sure you've noticed it as well. Uh, <laughs> well, of, I'm like, I feel like I'm eighty because well, I have Lyme disease well, right now. <laughs> I know that, which is horrible. But like, you know what I'm talking about in general before the, all that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's just little things that, other than that, personal improvement projects, the gym. I've been, you know, that actually the gluten-free things done wonders for my beer gut, which has gone down. Are you doing more than benching? Are you doing back exercises? Why? I'm just kidding. Why is it back exercises? You think I just go to the gym and just bench? I don't know. It seems like you bench press a lot. So here's you have very very manly uh, chesticles, dude. I've I've got some good arms too. <laughs> I um, you're just jealous because my arms are bigger than yours now. Oh, here we go. Here we go. He said, did, he said yeah. testicles. Okay. <laughs> you said testicles? No, I said chesticles. Oh, testicles. I thought you meant testicles. You might have very nice testicles as well. I what? haven't had a chance to, you know. One of the things I, I one of the things I do do that that actually I would recommend to anyone out there that has really trimmed me up. I've tried a bunch of stuff. Let Corsets? Me, no. Okay. <laughs> kind of actually. Kind of. Here, I'll, I'll explain. Okay. I'll explain. How are you not drunk? You're acting like you're drunk. So here's get Lyme disease. You're high all day. It's so amazing. here's 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 the thing. I've been searching for a long time to find a way to like get some cardio in and mm-hmm. make it fun. You know, like cardio is like it takes up a lot of time. It's kind of a pain in the ass. Blah blah. You can yeah. do high intensity interval training. That's fine. But here's the deal. I got a treadmill at home. I invested in a treadmill. Got one, and I have my iPad with me. So I can do miscellaneous iPad stuff. The problem is you go too fast on the treadmill and you're bouncing all over the place. You get seasick and like you're like, I'm done, right? right. So what I did is I bought a weight vest. And I, I found an article on the internet that shows that all of the new, um, you know the new Avengers movie coming out? Like mm-hmm. the new X-Men and all that stuff? They all, all the trainers there made them wear 20-pound weight vests when they were around everywhere they went, like prior, like three months prior to the movie or whatever, right? This is a lot more tiring than you might think. Yeah. Yeah, it it drains real quick. So what I do is I set my incline to 10% on the treadmill, the speed to two miles an hour, so it's a nice slow walk, put the 20-pound weight vest on, and then flip open my iPad mini, and I play like Kingdom Rush, which is a great like game, and a few other games, and I'll be sitting there like totally like in my game, I look up and it's 45 minutes in, I go 60 minutes, I'm drenched. I mean, absolutely like I'm having to like move my iPad away because sweat is falling off my face. And then I come in the house and I shower and it wasn't like I even worked out. It was like I just played games for an hour. That's and cool. it's awesome and the fat just falls off. Dude, you know what you should do is get an Oculus Rift and like play some karate game so you can like 
do it on the treadmill while you're walking. That's a fad. Oculus Swift's dead. What? It's a, it, really? VR, do you believe that? I think VR. Dude, is a lot of the big gaming producers are are building out games that are dependent on VR. Yeah, or so, at least and they Rift. were on the Wii, but the freaking thing that you moved around. Really? See, I think I think I, I'm once sure the hardcore gamers are gonna love it. Somebody was telling me the other day, or like a, like a few weeks ago, they're like. You don't understand football, man. You're gonna be like putting the thing on. You'll be like in the helmet. It'll be crazy. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna go to a Super Bowl party and I'm gonna walk in. And there's gonna be 30 people with Oculuses on their heads. I don't think that's. I think that the the football use case and all of that is minor compared to the potential for a Second Life like utopia. Well, I'm really excited about Second Life. I told you about Hi-Fi, right? High Fidelity? Nah. Well, I've heard about it. You didn't tell me about it, though. Okay. Tell me more. Oh, it's the same guy that um, created... Philip? Yeah, Philip Rosedale, the guy that created Second Life, is creating a new virtual world. Yeah. It's going to be freaking awesome. I think that's a big deal. I mean, I think that's Absolutely. Have you read Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson? So, I think it's going to be like that. I mean, I think that you'll have people in less than ideal circumstances (laughs) all the way up to top of the food chain who are going to treat this potentially, you know, the secondary world with highly developed technology like Oculus Rift. It'll become the time intensive equivalent of what people are doing with say war, World of Warcraft. You know, there are people yeah. who spend like 20 to 50 hours a week. No, I get it. You look at say, you know, the uh, what the fuck is it? The Kardashian app that is pulling in, you know, it's 100 to 200 million dollars in revenue which is just like a fantasy world. I think it's just called Famous, right? Where you, 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 you pay money f- to try to become famous, like get signed with an agent, do different commercials and advertisements. Like, but imagine if you could do that uh, where, as from like POV. I don't know, man. You should do that for your, like make it call, call it like Tim Tim, like an app. <laughs> and you have to like go work out at the gym and like eat, eat beans and protein. That sounds really... <laughs> That sounds like a. That would be amazing, though. You could like, like walk gri- through. That sounds like a gripping game. <laughs> be like, it's like, do you want hey, two more dollars for another spoonful of lentils? <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, do you want antibiotics or anabolic steroids? Or hmm, hard, what would Tim choose? Steroids. <laughs> Contracted Lyme disease. Time out for five hours. Or you're you like, can oh, buy doxycycline man. for five Tim Tim dollars for Tim Tim points. You're like, oh, I'll take the Tim Tim bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Dude, I will be a whale on your game and spend a ton of money if you make that game. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm like, I just bought 10, 10, 10 bucks. <laughs> 10, 10 bucks, 10 bucks. 10 oh, bucks. Jesus. All right, so let's All right. Uh, move on. Yeah. Um, so I showed you some, do you, well, your turn. Uh, well, you know, there, this is not something I want to spend a lot of time on, but I was more nervous than I've been in ages uh, about a week ago when I did my first email to this list that I've been accumulating since 2007. So <laughs> when I made my first homepage and kind of sketched it out, uh, included an email capture because that's what everybody told me I should do. And then I promptly forgot about the whole thing and uh, didn't want to email people because I didn't want to get emailed myself, yada, yada, yada. And then went back and looked at it not too long ago and saw that I had you know, between 200 and 300,000 email addresses, <laughs> somewhere thereabouts. And uh, so really, got in touch with all the experts, sort of re-engaged with Aweber, and did my first mailing out to folks because I feel like with blogs, right, blogs are considered very old-fashioned in a lot of ways, right, in the world of new social media apps Mm -hmm. and so on. Blogs are considered kind of old-fashioned, but I find that I I do my best thinking 
in longer form on the blog. And I've struggled with how to get that out because it's so noisy. And let's say I put out a post on Facebook because Facebook wants you to, they'll, they'll throttle you back because they want you to like boost it and pay to promote it to your audience. So you only hit like 10 to 15% of your audience. And then Twitter, Twitter's amazing, but it's become so popular. And I think actually advertising, and I'm testing some advertising on Twitter right now, can be very effective. But if you're just using your follower base, if you put out a tweet and most people are following a few hundred people, it's like throwing an orange golf ball into a roaring rapid. I mean, it's like that stuff gets pushed down so quickly, you're probably also only hitting a right. very small percentage. Why orange? Probably a white one. Well, if it's white, you wouldn't see it at all. Right. Why? But orange, you would see a little bit. That's yeah. That's my sort of metaphorical assumption. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just it could be if if you prefer bright blue, we could use black, yeah, okay. bright blue. It's funny that sort of I, I've gone full circle, and it looks like I'll be focusing a lot on email and the blog, where I can actually get now instead of say ten percent of my audience or five percent of my audience seeing a blog post, get fifty percent of my hmm. audience potentially seeing a blog post. And I've already seen such a massive uptick in comments, in sharing, in everything. It's been mm-hmm. really eye-opening. So what does the next three years look like for you? Because oh, you've done so man. much. Well, hold on. You've yeah. done so much crazy stuff over the years. You've got this great audience of people that obviously want to learn how to work their, create a better lifestyle for themselves, how to get in shape, how to cook better. Like, You've done all these awesome things. Like, where? What's next? Like, what's the? Are you doing another big thing? Or are you going to just focus on the, the core that you already have? Or I haven't decided. You know, there there are a few things that I'd really like to do. I have been working on my first screenplay, and that's been really fun for me to do. Uh, uh, people have approached me over the years about doing something with an adaptation of the Four Hour Work Week, and a lot of the backstory is not in there. I mean, the wild adventures and misadventures and craziness from that year and a half of traveling the world is is not really out there published and uh so i've been playing around it would be a comedy it'd be kind of like uh, fight club meets dodgeball something like that it'd be like ridic- so brad pitt throwing balls around yeah I, sure yeah we could we could go there uh or like ben stiller as as my arch nemesis in the world of tango ben if you're listening we need to talk oh, uh but uh I've been having a lot of fun with screenplays, and I've been reading a lot of screenplays, which are like novels that take an hour and a half to read. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Like reading screenplays is super fun. I recommend um, The King's Speech. I recommend Casablanca if you want to go super classic. My favorite of all time, probably The Princess Bride. That is so good. Mm-hmm. William Goldman is just a genius. Fight Club's great. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is pretty good. But that, that's if I'm going to do a next big project, I think it would look something like a feature film. Which Do you I think would, your audiobook stuff will be continue to be a big you know, thing? I'm really enjoying the uh, the Tim Ferriss book club stuff and been acquiring audiobooks. The next book that's coming out, which I'm is, really excited. For, I, well, I've told you this on multiple episodes, but I think that's the coolest thing you're working on right now. Really? It's, it's, I mean, it's cool. It's awesome. Like you're you're revitalizing all these old books, and yeah. I'm really super sweet. excited. I can't name the next book yet, but it, this is going to be the first book. People what are, is the first letter? Uh, w. Are you serious? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> so, but this is the first book. People are going to slowly, when they look back at the book club, if it works out as I'm hoping, when they look at, say, the, there are about four or five books right now. I uh, love all of them. And you can just go to fourhourworkweek, all spelled out, dot com slash uh, books. So fourhourworkweek.com forward slash books to see all of them. But so far, it's just been audiobooks. The next book, I actually have the audio and the ebook rights. Hmm. 
I've been figuring out so much with these various launches that uh, I think there will be a point where I'm basically, I would like to take the digital and the audio, blow that out of the water. I mean, just like load it into this cannon and shoot it into into outer space as far as like Amazon sales and so on and awareness and PR concern. What I'd like to do is potentially partner with traditional publishers to have them handle the print edition and retail distribution. Mm-hmm. Astonishingly to me. Are you a, pu- me, a complete publisher at that point? Well, I would be a publisher, you're, you're but I wouldn't, like, be a, I wouldn't be a complete yeah, I publisher, publisher because I don't want to deal with the print. It's not my area of expertise. Right. Uh, you're, you're outsourcing that to them, but uh, why do you need to outsource it? Why don't you just have it printed on the side? On, well, I guess they have all the distribution stuff. I'd like them to, yeah, because they have sales departments yeah. and relationships that they can capitalize on for the retail distribution. I think that's valuable. Sure. Especially if, for instance, imagine this, I become a talent scout and I find people who've never published books but who have amazing writing capabilities mm-hmm. and I kind of coach them through the process and this wouldn't be like it's not my main financial thing it's actually a huge time investment for not very much financial return but I like I'm so passionate about the idea that you know and this is might seem like a ridiculous comparison but um, you know the way that say Eminem discovered and I believe it was Eminem maybe and Dr. Dr. Dre, Dre who discovered 50 Cent I think it was just Dre. Well, Dre discovered Eminem. Then Eminem discovered That's 50 right. Cent. And I think, did, who discovered Rihanna? Was that also Eminem? I have no idea. Anyway, somebody will correct me. But the idea that you could be like, that's talent, but they're going to get chewed up by the system and they're going to make too many mistakes that could be fatal. Great. Like, here are the people you need. Here's the toolkit you need. And then, like, mm. shoot them off into outer space. The idea of being able to do that that's awesome. is really exciting. I want um, you to do a romance novel. You want me to write a romance novel? <laughs> I'm just. I think I think you got it in you. How about a bromance novel? I can just write about us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> just just think of a fake name for yeah. me, and I'll be all good. Um, what about you know? Uh, let me tell you one thing, because uh, you know I know we've talked a lot about sort of next chapters and what are we going to do and things like that. I'll talk about my next chapter. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I want you to. So one one thing that I realized, I had a, a really profound sort of ex- uh, retreat into the wilderness recently. That sounds so weird. But I, I spent a lot of time in nature with a couple of very close friends. What were, you, what were you doing that out there? sounds equally weird. <laughs> I was experimenting with... What was it? Medicinal plants. Let's call it that. And... Uh, I wasn't there for the record. He was not there. I wanted to go, but I was scared. It was a good decision you didn't go. Yeah, you uh, know how for, weak I, I am. For, not, <laughs> fragile. No, not weak. You're not yet anti-fragile <laughs> in that department. Can you grab me a beer, babe? The... Babe, like, can you please grab me water? Thank you. you. <laughs> my wife, babe. I, she's hot. I mean, she is hot. <laughs> but, so, what I was going to say is... So is your girlfriend, I, so that's fine. Yes, that's true. Um, so the, uh, I was really having this kind of existential crisis trying to decide what my next project was going to be. And I love the tech investing, but honestly, there's so much happening right now. I find it kind of overwhelming. Sure. I mean, just so many emails, We've so many We've talked about meetings. that so many times. It's, so over, it's extremely overwhelming, and it's an enviable problem to have, of course, but it's still a very significant source of anxiety, I think, uh, because you want to be responsive, you want to be helpful, but there are so many, the barriers to entry with tech startups are so low, you just get, you can, you can be in the, in the middle of a tsunami really quickly. So I was, Thanks, love. I was debating all this stuff, and yeah. one of my friends, no thank you, Okay, sure. so what, what my uh, friend said to me, he said, you know, he's also actually involved in tech, and he said, um, I really owe you a debt of gratitude. I won't name you by name in case you don't want to be named in that context. But he said, there are a lot of venture capitalists out there. There are a lot of investors. And if, if you don't invest in a company 
that's really promising, somebody else will just take your place. There's no shortage of capital. Right? And he's like, these, like, the good companies will get funded no matter what. Sure. And he said, but dude, he, he, was at, he saw me at an event where I had multiple people in line come up to me sort of crying because they'd lost you know, 100 plus pounds and had these dramatic changes. And he's like, you're never going to have that impact investing in companies. Like, you're replaceable as a VC. And he's like, you should stick with your writing. Keep writing. And like that had a really a huge impact on me, and that's part of the reason why I've like reshifted, and I'm I'm focusing a lot on you know the last few blog posts I've put a ton of time into, and I'm really happy with the response. And that's awesome, dude. So, I, I'm glad to see that because like I I love your content too, and I think that you're awesome at doing that stuff, and like more of that is is better for the earth. So I'm enjoying it, you know. But yeah, but I'm sure you we don't have to dig too deep with this, but it's it's very seductive to focus on the things that are not bad, you don't dislike them, that provide the highest financial return. Sure. And uh, that's generally not creating content. But that's not the only return. That's not the only ROI you can have for investing your time, certainly. So that's been a big one. Well, so that's, but enough about me. Tell me, your next chapter, what's going on? I mean, there's, there's nothing new to, to talk about today other than the fact that I've been... Um, Really enjoying the whole creative process side again. Like I've gotten involved in creating some new applications, uh, and so uh, I've got a buddy of mine, uh, Mark Himian, who I worked with briefly at Dig. Daniel Burka was my main designer there for many, many years, and then Mark um, was hired to work with us a little bit later. And he's a really good product guy and really good, just um, awesome designer, both mobile and web, and all over the place. And also actually a pretty good artist. That's a, cool, that's a cool combo. Yeah, it's like just really talented up and down. So been prototyping some stuff on the weekends, just like sitting out and like building some new apps, both on the desktop and on mobile. I have like three or four ideas right now that I've just kind of been sitting on and, and starting to flesh out a little bit. Yeah. And it's it's weird because I just feel really, I mean, Dario, I'll tell you, like I've just been like working, like yeah. like not working like vetting companies and going and having coffee working because that's like what I do every week. But like this is like me in my office just like, you know, on a whiteboard and having Mark come over and we're like brainstorming ideas and going through mock-ups and like trying out different flows and talking about how things come together and working with developers and it's just like been fun. Yeah. Like, to get those creative juices going again Dude, and starting it's, something it's new. It's just like me with my writing. Best. You're creating something. You're right. creating something from nothing. Right? And, and, and it feels really good. As, so, as opposed to just filtering. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that's, it's not that you can't be helpful, but there's something viscerally rewarding about taking something in here that doesn't exist and creating something tangible, whether that's digital or physical, that yeah. people can interact with. I mean, it's so gratifying. And I remember talking to you on the phone not too long ago, and I was like, "You sound a lot more excited than you've sounded Dude, in a while." Well, it's crazy because there's two independent moments that like got me pretty excited to get back into this. One was I was at Blue Bottle Coffee having some coffee, meeting with um, a founder, and this kid just grabbed me randomly, like I'm sure fans do with you every once in a while, and I was like, awesome, like, what are you working on? And he's like, oh, I got this startup, blah, blah, I used to love Dignation, I used to love Dig, blah, and I was like, oh, thanks, appreciate it, and he's like, when's your next startup? And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm a full-time VC, and it's like I had just shot the kid's dog. Like, he, his face, his face just, like, dropped down, he's like, and he, he looked at me, and he's just like, you're not... Like, you're going to start something new? Like, he was, like, expecting me to create the next thing. And I was, like, you know, it didn't hit me right away. I was, like, oh, I'm sorry. And I, like, I had to run, so I took off. And then later I was, like, wow, that guy 
it was clear to me that like he really enjoyed something that I had created in the past, as yeah. I'm sure you get with your readers and stuff. It was like, wow, I should keep doing that. Like, yeah. why not? Like, that's yeah. what I love the most. And the other, the other piece, that was one story. The other one was um, I have gotten to know, luckily, Tony Fidel quite well. Yeah. He created the, he was the original guy that created the iPod, created Nest later on. You probably saw my foundation interview with him, foundation.kr, if you haven't seen those videos yet. Go to that website. A lot of great entrepreneurs there. I sat down with him and and he created Nest, he sold it to Google, and so I see him a lot more because he's always around at Google. And um, we, we were out and like having a drink, and and I was like, you know, gosh, like what what keeps you going? Because uh, you know, I don't, I won't say what his net worth is, but like it's a lot. I would imagine he's <laughs> no, I, I don't know, but I mean, the sale was public about what he sold to Google for and stuff like this. So I imagine what, what that he's it? got a billion dollars, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm like, what, what keeps you going? What drives you to like do all the stuff that you do? And he's just like, it was about the passion around creativity and wanting to just like invent and create and be mixed in with the people that are doing amazing things. And like, I was listening to his story and you know, he has kids and a wife and he's traveling a lot. And it was just like, the dude is juggling 10X what I am. Yeah. And he's just doing it with ease, you know? And he's just like a badass, like just like can execute like none other. What's his secret sauce, do you think? His secret sauce is just like having, understanding that, and this is my take on it. This isn't what he said to me, but like in kind of distilling down everything that we talked about, it's just that like he understands that, I feel that more or less that, you know, you only have so you never know what's going to happen to you, right? We yeah. talked about this. You yeah. went to your friend's memorial today. Yeah, he it's was like, just as, as a sign note. for it. Yeah, well, we talked about this. I mean, he was he displayed no aberrant, unusual symptoms of any type. He was going out hiking with a close friend, met up with friends and uh, family in, in the days preceding it, totally fine. And uh, just they're still doing a full sort of uh, coroner's investigation and whatnot, but just dropped dead. And uh, similarly, like one of my my brother's best friend's girlfriends, I mean, this is a woman in her 20s, perfectly healthy from all outward indications, in an office, has an aneurysm, drops dead. Yeah. Well, the guy, so the lead engineer for Boosted Boards, the skateboards, those automatic skateboards that you may saw on, on Kickstarter yeah. that you can like control with your hand, which I got a prototype of and was using a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, was in San Francisco on his boosted board going like this, like just controlling it, drops dead, brain aneurysm. It's So you so, never know, guys. Here's the whole thing. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I was like sitting there listening to that, and I'm like, you know, you and I have both been very blessed, and we've done some awesome stuff and gotten rewarded for it. And so like I can kind of fade off in the future and be this like little investor and like live my little life and go down, drink my coffee with my founders and come back home and drink my like glass of wine and go to bed and call that a day. Or I can step back up to the plate and try some crazy shit again and like to see where it takes me. And I was like, yeah. you know what, why not just go do some crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. So I'm still a full-time investor at Google Ventures and doing all that stuff, but like, you know, there's nothing preventing me from hacking on stuff on the side and doing little things. Yeah. So I'm having fun doing it. I'm all for it, man. I think you should keep it up. So anyway, that is that. Oh, last thing I want to talk about. Do you have any more or is it you good? No, I'm good, so man. The last thing, we, we always talk about little hobbies and stuff like that. One of the things that I don't know, we talk about hobbies ever. <laughs> <laughs> we always talk about little yeah, hobbies. One of the things in the last like two or three months is uh, a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, have gotten me excited about wristwatches. And 
at first you think wristwatches and you think like, oh boy, like why? Like we have time on our phones. Like why do we need, why do you, would you ever want a, a watch on your wrist? That's my question. And, That's um, precisely my question. My buddy, uh, I mean, you know, you know Kevin Sistrom, and I, I don't do, know if yeah. he, he would kill me for calling him out, but whatever. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you could watch this, Kevin. You know I've had a couple drinks. So basically, Kev's a good guy, and, and he was saying that like, the only jewelry we have as men, like women have earrings, they have necklaces, stuff like that. The only thing we have, I have t-shirts, is, is a watch. It's like a nice, a nice time piece, right? You could get some earrings. I could get some earrings. <laughs> and so I wasn't into watches at all. My dad passed away a few years ago, and he left me two watches. My dad was by no means a wealthy man. He was like, I would consider him, we were very poor for many years, and then eventually he broke into the middle class, like standard middle class, and he bought a Rolex watch, two of them actually, one a little bit older and one new, and that, those were like his prized possessions. In fact, the second one that he bought, he never wore ever. He was like, I'm saving this. I, he never put it on, like he put it on like twice, but it's like flawless. So anyway, I inherited that stuff, and um, you know, I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of cool. It's like my dad's stuff, and that, so that was kind of attractive. And then I started learning more about the fact that there's still innovation happening in these timepieces. And like, there's like these artisan, like craftsmen that still work in this field, this dying field, making these amazing new innovations of mechanical, like not not digital, but like straight up traditional hand wound watches. And so, I started getting into it. I actually traveled out to Germany with with Daria. We went out to um, this this place called uh, Lange and 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 Sons, which is like this like awesome like little boutique. They only make five thousand or so watches per year, and we got to meet them and. I hadn't bought a, a really crazy watch, and I met these this team and walked through this like whole compound in in Germany, and it was a few hundred people, and they hand polish every little part. They care so much about how these watches go together. Mm-hmm. A little tiny town in the middle of nowhere. You fly into Dresden, they drive about an hour and a half away, and they assemble them, check the time, make sure, use all these fancy gauges. Uh, disassemble them and then clean them again and then reassemble them and they only make about a hundred per year per type of watch and so I was like wow this is really cool and on top of that you realize when you invest in something like this especially like something that's like not so much a Rolex where they make a million a year they make a million Rolexes a year but something really small and boutique they actually go up in value so it's like you know, in your head, you say, okay, well, I'd normally put this much into my 401k per year. I'm going to carve out a little bit. It's just this, hold on. <laughs> I know it's creep. Don't put your 401k money into time pieces, please. Listen, <laughs> no, that's true. But what I'm saying is like, you know, I started following some of the blogs. One in, in particular, Hodinki, which you should check out if you're at all curious about this, is probably the best watch blog. Hodinki? Yeah. How do you spell it? Uh, H-O-D-I-N-K-E-E.com. I knew it was going to be some twist. Okay, um, two E's. But, but anyway, check it out. It's a really great blog. And, and you start to learn a lot about what goes into all these things. And some of them can track the moon phases and do really crazy stuff. So anyway, this is one that I picked up here about three weeks ago. It just came out. It's actually made, made by Swatch of all brands. Huh. Um, this here, this watch What's here, it? is um, called the System 51. And it's because it has 51 parts, which is like, it's an automatic watch, meaning it's self-winding when you wear it. But 51 parts, and it's all machine-assembled. It's the first fully automatic, meaning self-winding, machine-assembled watch. It has like 17 new patents. It's very collectible. It's 150 bucks. Huh. Um, you can buy it now. 150 bucks. I mean, that's pretty awesome. It's not crazy. And uh, 
it's just like a pretty cool watch and it winds itself when you wear it and it has a lot of horological significance. And that is like, <laughs> that's what they call people that are into timekeeping. Horologists. I'd laugh all you want, but anyway. It's, <laughs> you were waiting for me to laugh. I'm just waiting for you to continue. <laughs> anyway, it's, um, so I started kind of getting into like the whole, like the scene of like learning more about it and just like, you know, starting to appreciate this stuff. And it's funny, you meet other people and they'll tell you something very unique about their little timepiece. And if you're into engineering and you like that side of things, which like I think all geeks do, mm-hmm. you can understand what goes into the manufacturing and why it's pretty awesome. So anyway, so I, might, I might actually get, I, you know, I haven't had a watch in years. I might actually get a watch, not because I'm going to collect, but because I like to take sort of a technology Sabbath on Saturdays. I go, I try to go screenless on Saturdays. So no, no phones. Dude, pick up one of these guys. So it'd be, but it's kind of a pain in the ass to keep track of time. So it'd be nice to have just some lightweight watch. I mean, uh, this is, this is one of those things where I think that in the next, not five or 10, but maybe 20 years, like this thing will probably be five, 10 times the value of what it is today. Yeah. But I mean, it's $150, but it's, it's a freaking cool watch. And this is a very significant watch. Like in the whole scene was blow, blowing up about how crazy this watch is. For the engineering that's gone into it. Yeah, cool. But um, what's crazy about Swatch that you don't know, and this is like a little geeky, and I promise we can stop the show, but like Swatch owns like almost all of the shit out there. Like they do all the internals for like almost all the major brands, and like they, they own, they're a huge company. Forget the retail stores and the little plastic cheap watches. Yeah. They have all the engineering. Like consider them like yeah. the Intel inside of like all other watches. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. So like where are they you based? go like are they Swiss or where are they based? Yeah. yeah. So you go and like buy like I'm uh, Cartier's like like or like a high end designer watch like a Harry Winston or a Cartier or something like that like some of those are like this brand called like Eta like the Patek where do you put Patek Philippe there? So Patek Philippe and and um, and Longay are tied in my mind for neck and neck for the number one brand in the world like they're. They're both amazing. Do they use the Intel inside? Do they no, use any? They no, don't use any no. technology. So those are all considered original movements, where they have their own in-house manufacturing and their own in-house engineers that actually make all the the internal movements. We actually met the head guy, head engineer at Longay, and he he like he was had dinner with us. It was amazing. This guy, all he does is build like these little tiny. I mean, they're so small, like yeah. the number of components that go in here. That is rather. Insane. It's just fascinating. It's a super old school thing. But for me, like, you know, you got to understand, like, I'm in, I'm doing tech all 24-7. Like, that's yeah. all I do. To break away from that and actually have a conversation with someone that's brilliant in, like, a non-internet way yeah, yeah. is, like, so, so nice. That's so much fun. Yeah, that's, totally. you know, that's part of what was so fun about being out on the East Coast for a bit is you just have more diversity of interests, quite frankly, and also industry. And like an old, like, old wooden chip? Diversity? Do you know Diversity? What? I have no idea. Have you ever seen Anchorman? No. What the fuck? (laughs) Have you ever seen Anchorman? I haven't seen it. Are you kidding me? (laughs) What readers follow me? Don't follow him. (laughs) What the hell? All right, wait. I'm gonna trade. No, I haven't seen Anchorman. Have you seen Step Brothers? Yes. Okay. Have you seen Have you seen King of Kong? Is that one of your porns? No. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen it, right? King of Kong. Oh, I have. I have the arcade guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the rivalry for the Donkey Kong uh, world record and if you're going to see just about any documentary 
Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm curious. Graham, any top documentary yeah, picks? Yeah, Graham, let's get your like. King of Kong on. is amazing. Uh, Men on Wire is also incredible. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of King of Kong, but like, I actually just watched one today about people that live in tiny houses. Oh, cool. Ooh, I like that. It's called, uh, it's tiny Houses. Tiny House. Uh, tiny House, about people about who live in tiny that houses. Are, that are living in like 200 oh. square foot of cool. space. That sounds that awesome. Is, I've seen those. They're those, amazing. Those We've had a bunch of conversations about this. So that they don't have to build it to building code. Yeah, exactly. And tiny house. Pay, you know, mortgages, property to tax, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sweet. Never have girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. This is what I They can be heard. really well designed. Some of those tiny houses in, did they show any of the ones yeah, in China? They, they didn't like, do any in China. The ones that are, are like all, folding. Like cults, like these small communities of people that follow each other on blogs and things like that and pass around plans on how to build tiny houses. Oh, I want a tiny house. You know, you know, tiny building house? it in their yeah. backyard and then they move it onto a plot of land in Colorado and live there. <laughs> I just asked my wife if I could have a tiny house and she goes, have one with Tim. That's what she just said. <laughs> Good, that would help me write my bromance Should, should we have a tiny house together? <laughs> it's, on, uh, it's on Netflix. Brookback, Brookback Netflix, Rose. Netflix tiny uh, house. Any, any, like one, before we end up the show, any one last thing that like, product, book, anything that, you, that Graham is, Grab the, grab the camera, man. You guys all know that. <laughs> Not really. I, th- I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm getting into watches as well. Oh, you are? You're getting into watches. Like, I've been wearing uh, Timex Weekenders for a long time, and I really, I, I really like those, and now I'm kind of like, what should I get next? Oh, shit. We got to talk. Thing looks cool. Awesome. Dangerous habit. Um, are you masturbating? I mean, are you doing his thing? <laughs> no, I, mean, I didn't mean it that way. Are you doing? He's not on camera. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> are you doing Tim's Tim's thing? Sorry, I'm he's on the all masturbating all the time. I, I, that's what I meant. I'm cut off. I'm done. I couldn't give up alcohol for. for right now. <laughs> okay. That's what I ask all my friends when they walk in the door. <laughs> are you masturbating right now? <laughs> All right, let's, uh, on that note, anything else? Uh, no, you know, I, I haven't been uh, getting into watches, but I have been getting back into fiction and reading a lot of Kurt Vonnegut. So if, if you fashion yourself a nonfiction reader and you're like, ah, I'm not going to read fiction, it's a waste of time. If I want to make stuff up, I could just do it myself. Do yourself a favor, just read Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut and see if you still have that opinion. I think you will change your mind. It's Thank very you. short and very fast. Awesome. Well, that is it. That's all I got. That's all you got. That's all I got. Good luck with your 30 days. I will donate my $1,000 to DonorsChoose.org. Thank you for watching, everyone. Uh, I will see you back here, and you'll be drinking next time. I will be drinking in the next episode. Not that I need it, but I'll give me some extra personalities. Well, seriously, I hope uh, everything goes well with the Lyme disease stuff. Thanks. Yeah, I'll be okay. If you have any tips, let me know in the comments. Cool. See you guys. All right. Peace. Peace. If you want more of The Tim Ferriss Show, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to 4hourblog.com where you'll find an award-winning blog, tons of audio and video interview stories with people like Warren Buffett and Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park, the books, plus much, much more. Follow Tim on Twitter at twitter.com slash tferris. That's T-F-E-R-R-I-S-S. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash tim ferris. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>